What's going on, y'all? Welcome back for another episode of Trending Thoughts. I'm your host, Tori Smith. As always, thank you guys so much for the reviews and the, the subscriptions and the DMs, the tweets, all that. I appreciate all the support and the feedback, and I'm looking forward to talking about things that you guys want to hear. And it's been fun for me, so I appreciate all the love. I'm excited about this week because it's draft week. We're all sitting here in the house right now, and we're bored, we're stuck. But a big moment in a lot of folks' lives is about to happen right now with the NFL Draft. Um, A moment that a lot of them have dreamed about, and a moment that they've all been working hard for for years to get to that point. And we have the opportunity to see it. Not like a normal year, where we'll be watching it, and they're coming across the stage. They'll be like they're on FaceTime, basically getting drafted. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But nonetheless, it's something that I remember like it was last year getting drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, going through that draft process. It was very stressful. And I feel like a lot of people don't know what it's like beyond just the NFL combine and the NFL draft. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So I'm looking forward to giving you guys my insight on my pre-draft journey. And who better to have on than the person that was right beside me the entire way. And her name is Chanel Smith. You could have introduced me as the co-host. She's back, y'all. I'm back, My popular demand. <laughs> and I, I really wanted her on because, honestly, through that pre-draft process, she was huge for me, um, especially having her support and what we were going through there. It's a, it's a very stressful experience due to all the unknowns, and we got to take it back to College Park. But even before College Park, you just said that this is a big moment that a lot of people have dreamed about. Was that your experience? Were you as a little kid playing football outside saying, one day I'm going to be in the NFL draft? And like, was that your dream as a kid growing up? I'm sure I said it at some point um, based on whatever season it was. If it was football, I wanted to be (laughs) an NFL player, really a quarterback in the NFL. If it was basketball season, I wanted to be in the NBA. And if it was baseball season, I wanted to be in MLB. So for me, it was all uh, uh, depending on the season, and that was a goal. But to be honest, as I grew older, and not that I didn't believe that I wasn't capable of doing it, but for me, I knew the reality of it was was that I was going to school to earn my education. Right. And sports was my outlet to get to that de- degree. So you weren't and that whatever happened kid. past that, you know, it was all for You were me. so laid back about everything when it comes to stuff like that like yeah if it happens it happens so you weren't that little kid who was like i'm gonna be in the nfl no my mom says i used to sleep with a ball i don't remember that i'm sure i slept with a ball because i was always playing a sport right but you don't remember that i don't remember saying like yeah i'm gonna go to the nfl or nba and i'm sure again at some point i probably said it to my mom at some point but the reality of it was like that wasn't like my constant like number one goal and motivation. And that's so interesting because flash forward to your last year at UMD, I feel like it was the same situation. Like we didn't sit and have all these long, crazy talks about you entering the draft. No. I don't even remember it being a big topic of conversation. It wasn't because it wasn't a big deal. Here you go. (laughs) Not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. Like you can't force something to happen that, just because you want it to happen. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like everything has a process. Like My goal was to graduate from college. I still had class to worry about. Right. I still had 
my individual goals on the team to worry about our team goals and trying to go and win the ACC championship in Maryland, like all of these goals that we're working towards, like if you handle business there, then the NFL would be there for you. So you can't worry about the wrong things and get distracted from it. So for me, I stayed focused on what I had to do. And ultimately that paid off in the long run for my ultimate goal. I had my best year. You know, I was only taking two classes because, you know, I was because I graduated early. Um, I know you don't know much about that. Don't listen. Let's just <laughs> let's get this out the way. Tori graduated in three and a half years. Could have been three. I graduated in five years because I had to do student teaching. And during track season, I couldn't do student teaching. So I took an extra year and I got a double degree. And this is not a battle anymore. We both did great things. OK, no, that's cool. That's cute. And anyway, back to the, back to that year. So I remember we spent a lot of time. I don't remember you being stressed about the season. I feel like if this were me, it would be on my mind all the time. Like I have to do really well so that I can enter the draft. I really don't think it was on your mind because we didn't talk about it much at all. Well, I think I try to kind of hide things at times, I guess. Like, I wasn't thinking about it consistently, but, like, in the back of my mind, it was there. But it wasn't there for my own personal, like, reason. Was it there, like, before the season started or as the season progressed and you were doing well? It was for sure towards the end. But there was one day in particular where I remember getting a phone call and I knew, like, man, I have to make something shake. And What what was that? That was when, you know, my mom called and said that, you know, the house was going to be foreclosed. And they don't have the money right now. Obviously, you know, we're all broke. No one had the money. Right. Uh, you know, what are we going to do? And I told him, I was like, hey, I had the money by New Year's. So you just threw it I out there. I had no clue. <laughs> just threw it I out there. I had no clue how I was going to have that money. But I knew that if I were to leave for the league, that would be an opportunity to get to money a little bit earlier. And I was like, all right, like, we're going to figure this thing on out. But my process was still the same. And next thing you know, I just kept my head down, worked hard in school, worked hard on the field. And and next, then NC State happened? And then NC State happened, and I knew I was out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had 200-some yards, uh, 12, four, uh, touchdowns. four touchdowns, which ended up on 12 on the year. I remember. You broke your, little, your meter. Yeah, I remember. So the only thing that I remember from that season is in the beginning of the year, you were like, I want at least 10 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. The entire, that's all you talked about. And so. So maybe I was saying it without saying it. Like I guess. I just thought that that would. I mean, I had no <laughs> idea that this guy that I was dating was going to enter the draft. So I had no idea. You did a good job of hiding it. But I remember we made those posters. And at the NC State game, there was one that had a thermometer. It was a touchdown thermometer. And you were at eight touchdowns. And then after that game, you got 12. You got four touchdowns Broke that game. Meter. It's crazy. Because that was crazy. That was a goal I said I always felt like as a receiver, if you can get a thousand yards and du- double digit touchdowns and you're doing well. And it, it worked out that year and that ended up being my goal forever. Um, I only did it in the NFL once and it was never in the same daggone season, but uh, that was always my goal and that was huge. But going back, you know, we I didn't talk about it. NC State was very clear that mm-hmm. I was going to leave. But I still had to educate myself. Like, I didn't know. Because during that time period, you know, when you're a guy that people are looking at as a potential prospect, the agents start hitting you up out of nowhere. Yep. 
their little runners, the little financial people from all over the I place. I remember when those calls Everyone tries in. to be your friend. And I would be pissed off anytime someone called me. Oh, my gosh. You're still like that. I'm like, first of all, who gave you my number? <laughs> who gave you my number? Right? Like, and, and no, like, I'm not talking to you. I don't know what I'm doing, so don't talk to me about it. I'm not giving you any hints. Like, we're not friends. I don't know you. Like, I'll talk to you when I need you because you're coming after me. So I learned right away I had the power. And I knew that if I were to fail, those phone calls would stop. And that's why I treated it that way. I treated everyone like it's a that business that I'm from, in control. And you know that from high school. Absolutely. Same that, thing happened. Yeah, when I was in high school and I broke my leg my junior year, you know, all these coaches, hey, man, we're going to offer you. Yep. We want you to come to campus. Did I break my leg? It was crickets. Yeah. So, like, I knew right away, like, people are only going to treat you or recruit you or come at you when they see value in you. Mm-hmm. And that value can change quickly just like that so for me i was focused on me and only me and during that time period between our bowl game it was a few weeks i finally decided to you know reach out and open up kind of i guess you would say my recruitment and that's when i started to meet with agents and different marketing people i remember that process was crazy because i know there was a lot of smaller i guess smaller agents coming after you and then you had Drew Rosenhaus, who everyone knew about because he was kind of the rock star of the agents. How did you navigate that process? Well, for me, with any agent, I always took it like, man, an agent isn't going to make you money that doesn't exist. Like, they have a job to do um, to represent you, but they aren't going to get me drafted any higher. Like, mm-hmm. what I did on the field and how I carry myself is going to get me drafted. Like, right. an agent isn't going to do that. So, what I did and my thought process was like who can help me navigate this the best and at the time drew rosenhaus was and he still is one of the best in the game but he had a lot of the top wide receivers so i knew he's very familiar with them and their market mm-hmm. and i would have access to those guys as, as mentors and to reach out to him and talk to him and that was huge for me um i knew that i was going to handle my business I don't have to talk to my agent. Like, once your deal is done, like, I mean, they You're don't... You're so low maintenance, Yeah, I, I, it's fine. You know, like, we're cool. Like, Drew, I love Drew to death. You know, like, he's like uh, he's like family, you know? And the same for, you know, Jason Cash as well, who was the reason why I even signed with Rosenhaus. Yeah. Um, he was super cool, um, like family as well. Now he has his own agency, Cats Brothers, but um, he's doing well. Um, but those guys were, they treated me like family, and it really stayed that way throughout. And I was comfortable with them. You know, I knew they knew how to get the job done. And all I had to do was really just handle my business. I knew I know some people were I remember people being shocked that you chose Drew (laughs) over some of the other guys. Like he doesn't really match. You're not a Drew guy. You're not a Drew guy. And I guess they had this image of some like flashy wide receiver who I don't know, I guess needed a lot from their agent. And you were just super, super chill. And Drew respects that. Like, you know, like Drew's a. He can be a diva's agent or he can be someone like myself's agent. It doesn't matter. You know, he's going to get the job done regardless. And, you know, like I said, it was it was a breeze, you know, through my entire draft process. And that's how I ended up training in Miami. You know, you once oh, yeah. you leave school, you know, you go and your pre-draft process really starts. And I had the opportunity to go and train with Pete Bomarito down in Miami and live there for a while and with some of the other top guys in the country and, we were getting it in. We'll go down there because he's known for speed. As a receiver, the most important test that you're going to get at the combine is that 40. Is that 40 yard <laughs> dash. So it just kind of confirms what they see on film. 
And as a fast guy, you know, it, it wasn't going to make or break me. But it can for sure make you a lot of money. Because my film, you know, you kind of would see me running by guys. So that was pretty clear. But to kind of just make everything make sense and really confirm who I was, that was a big deal. All of those tests, the vertical jump, the shuttles, it all matters. And you go there and, and you're just practicing these drills, getting stronger, getting faster. And, you know, you ultimately you get ready for showtime. How much does that stuff matter? I know you said it matters. Obviously it matters. But if you have had this amazing year, you have the film to prove it, and then you go to the combine and you bomb it. Is uh, it, it does hurt, that? It sure hurt you. But the combine is just another tool, right? right. Another way for them to assess you and in, in, in terms of their entire package. Because guys suck at the combine all the time and still, and get, still drafted get drafted high. high. Yeah, you yeah. have your pro day. You have other opportunities. But you had the opportunity to train with a lot of guys when you were in Miami mm -hmm. that you were able to like bounce ideas off of and just yeah, current, train with. Current guys going through the process, rookies as well, uh, my peers. And then also, you know, I remember Greg Olson being down there, uh, Ocho Cinco, you know, a bunch of guys who were already at the top of their game. So it was pretty cool to, to learn from them and their experience as well. Yeah, that, that experience was fun for me, having you in Miami. Miami for a month and a half <laughs> while I was in Maryland working that was an experience for us I think I went down there what one time one time around Valentine's Day yeah, yeah. right after Valentine's Day Miami's one of my favorite places to be and a lot of distractions do exist there yes but for me you know I'm focused on what I have to do I remember my some of my friends would ask me how I felt about you being away and being in Miami it was it was definitely an adjustment for me yeah, because we had been around each other, you know, a lot, a lot, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, see you on the phone, think FaceTime or whatever, and then you would go like, people watching with Ocho Cinco. Yeah, we just go on chilling, South Beach. On South Beach, just chilling. Those you know? are fun days for me. Yeah, fun days. I enjoy <laughs> people watching. It's, I still do it. No, but Miami, I <laughs> Miami was so much fun. I remember you took me to Houston's. I think it was. Yeah, it was Houston's, Houston's our favorite our restaurant favorite now. Restaurant, yeah. Um, and we didn't even know how to sit properly at the table. Do you remember that? <laughs> it we, was real awkward. We were so awkward. Like we hadn't been to a fancy dinner like that. And Houston's was like our introduction to the fancy world. I guess you could say. The Hawaiian ribeye. The Hawaiian ribeye is crack. It's but so good. That's crazy. I still remember I uh, gave you a little a chain for Valentine's You Day. used the ball out. Tori went from like, first of all, when he went to Miami, the guy had maybe two pair of shorts and a couple of white tees. Um, I like and I remember I a few pair of jeans, you know, for you Christmas some from college. Yeah. Those big <laughs> baggy really, jeans. I didn't have much of anything. Big baggy jeans. So for Christmas, Jordan I remember <laughs> I went shopping for you for Miami and that was your Christmas gift for me. But you were so the same tour you see now with the Crocs and whatever. It was just a college version of version of him. So he just had white tees big jeans not a lot of sneakers <laughs> you know he got he had what he had and that was it and so when he i guess got his little check he was really excited and i know he got me this really nice necklace which is i think it's in storage yeah that's how much that chain means stop to it was yeah. like this big i don't even necklace. remember what it looks like so that tells you i purchased it gave it to her and she hasn't worn it since anyway anyways he got me a necklace <laughs> and he got this big flashy watch Mm -hmm. And a Camaro, a red, a bright red Camaro with a black stripe. That was stripe. a little later. That was a Whatever. Later. He was balling out for a little bit, and then he went back to his frugal self very quickly. Uh, 
let's get to the important stuff. Let's get to the important stuff. So, so anyway, <laughs> Combine comes up. We go to the Combine and talk about a special moment. Uh, I still remember it was like getting the golden ticket from like Willy Wonka. It's like, man, like I'm in, you know, like I'm, I'm going here. I, I watched this Combine so many times. I would watch it in college. I would watch it in high school. Like when it was running, because it's like all day. Like, how do you get selected for it? Is that something they hit you up? Like, it's literally just an email. Like, hey, you're in, you know. Oh, wow. And it's pretty crazy because like everyone you dream of going to it, and to be there and experience. I still remember getting on that little plane from Miami, and it's basically all people who are going to the combine, which That's is so pretty crazy. cool. Going to Indy and arriving and looking around, and you know, for me, it's like, man, like I'm looking around, I'm like, man, I see. Things that I've only seen on TV, you yeah. know, when you think about that timing. And it was pretty cool to go there. And then it's, it's you realize it's exactly what they said it was. Like, the NFL Combine is like a meat market <laughs> for athletes, yeah. I swear. Because, like, they're trying to get everything they can out of you physically. Like, how what's your body fat? How's your build? Are you healthy? Like, blood type. Everything you're going through there. They want to know everything because you're a big investment. Like, it's a business and you're the product and going through that you know you're standing there you're in shorts at times and people are checking you out like it literally is like a meat market man that's but, so weird were you prepared for that ment and physically you were prepared for it were you mentally yeah, i was cut up like coat better so yeah I worry you were about looking nothing. like, like an shape. action figure absolutely I nice was and chocolate shape. and cut up All i remember that. yeah still like that you feel me i think nah, I, we, I think <laughs> i was too at that time before three babies but <laughs> Nah, were you mentally prepared, do you think, for I what was, you were going through? You know, I always feel like, you know, I put I put the work in. Like, I worked hard, and I was blessed and felt like I earned that opportunity. So I was ready to roll. And uh, you go through all the medical stuff, and which is days long, and you have all the meetings at the combine, which is the craziest thing to The me. meetings are before the actual? Absolutely. I don't even know how they expect you to perform. After the those meetings? That, yeah, you're in meetings all day. The hospital, the doctor's office, wherever you are, like all day for those two days. And it's it's terrible. And then all of a sudden, the last day, is get up have. early and go perform. Like, it's it's not the best setup. But that opportunity, it's, I mean, it is what it is. You're going to do what you can do to, to maximize it. And I remember, and a lot of people, it pops up every year. They hear about like a, a crazy question or a meeting where a guy does something or says something stupid. And I felt like, you know, I, all of my interviews were, were awesome. Um, you had a bunch of them, didn't you? Yeah, I had like 14, 16, something like that. I, don't, I was really busy. And <laughs> I have a few moments, though, that, that really stood out to me. And like your craziest question you were asked? Oh, my goodness. I was asked really the craziest one I remember for sure. And I can't remember who the coach was or even – who the team was. If you'd have asked me seven years ago, I might know this, but I can't remember who it was. But he was like, hey, uh, what would you do if I reached over this table and I slapped you in the face? <laughs> what? I don't remember you telling me that. And I looked and I was like, man, is he trying to test me? Because, you know, like, they know your back. They know everything They're about you. They're just trying you. to, like, get you they to They know say, your background. Crazy? They're trying to figure you out. And... You know, like, it kind of threw me off. And I'm like, man, do you give the, you know, the, the Bible answer? Do you turn the other <laughs> cheek? Like, what's he trying to do? He's trying to test me? Walk away. And I was like, with all due respect, sir, I'll reach out this table 
and slapped the shit out your <laughs> oh ass. Oh my god! I mean, and, and oh my he was god. just like he started laughing. He was like, you so mean, are they doing?" He was this? like, "You mean to tell me at this at this uh, stage on the biggest stage, you would like, slap me back? You would slap me?" I was like, "You put your hands on me, it's on in here." My mama said, <laughs> he if somebody like, <laughs> hit me, I hit him back. Yeah, for sure. He he started laughing. He was like, all right, all right. And, you know, it, it was funny to uh, his reaction to it. How was your meeting with the Ravens? Man, I met with the Ravens, the Patriots. I met with so many different people. But the Ravens was definitely a, a very cool meeting. They knew everything about me. Um, obviously, they had a, you were uh, local. They had so. a lot more connections. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny. That one conversation I do remember, one question I do remember is that everyone asked every single team and every single coach asked me about my dreads. Every team? Every single team, yeah. In, in what aspect, though? None of it was like... Like they I mean, were concerned about it? I guess it a little bit, but most of it was just like, you know, like, is because I guess some people see, like, long hair as, like, a, a maturity type thing, which isn't the case, just natural hair. But so they were like judging you off of your hair? No, they just asked. Like you know, for some people, I mean, I don't. I guess for some people, it may, it they, may they may have been judging me. But for most of them, I felt like they were just asking, like you know, like in terms of the game, like, all right, what are you gonna do with your hair? Are you gonna keep it? Or are you gonna cut it? Because for some people, they do cut it. It's like a big job interview. Like that's what the combine is. It's the biggest job interview that you'll have. So some people will cut their locks NFL. for some this. people would. That's amazing. Some people have. And they feel pressured, like they have to look, yeah, look like a certain a way. Job. Man, I feel like you only have to cut your hair if you're going to court. Like <laughs> your hair has nothing to do with you playing football. So I and that kind of was my answer for everyone. And I remember talking to Harbs and he asked me about it, and I was like, Well, coach, I was like, my hair has nothing to do with me being uh what type of football player I am or what type of person I am. Like it's a part of me. I was like, if there was ever a point where my hair you know, handed me on the field, then I would cut it. Or if there was a point where it impacted me in my day-to-day life, I would cut it. Right. But it has absolutely nothing to do with why I'm here or, you know, the the reason I play the game the way I do. Right. And he shook. I just remember him nodding his head in approval. Like, respect. Like, yeah, like, respect. Like, yeah, like, and so, Harbs, you know, and, and Harbs never, man, I say that, and I know something might say, oh, Harbs asked you about your hair, like, Harbs never said anything to me about my hair. Like, until you got tackled by it? Uh, yeah, until, until I got tackled by <laughs> it once. I'm sure time. he mentioned it. Like, maybe <laughs> so, we should yeah, have. That, that one time it happened. Uh, it might have been a little joke there. but you I know, mean, your Harbs locks were really respect, heavy. So. I wonder if you cut them off if. About to run a little faster? Yeah. I don't know who you'll jump Even if it's like point. Rolling to. Nah, I don't know. Fast is fast is fast. Yeah, right. I was still ran by past guys with them locks swinging, so it didn't matter. So, so speaking of the running part, I feel like the 40 part was the most nerve wracking part. It is. I remember just sit, could you watch all these people? You were, you know, you're you were coming number, up. You were number 39. I don't know if they wouldn't order, but I remember your last you weren't. Name, it's, it's based on your last name. Yeah. Cause you, I remember seeing 39 on your, on your Jersey and all these people went by before you and you see the times, times, times. Mm-hmm. And it was this big anticipation. What was that like? right before you stepped on the line but that's the part where like it really hits you it like gets man real. you are here like you're looking you see the scouts and the stands and you're looking around and you see that camera that everyone is there a lot of people see. in the it's not it's quiet in there okay like you barely hear anything people talking you can hear everything like in terms of you can hear a full conversation like it's that kind of like quiet in there and you'll hear people getting coached up at other drills whether it's the 40 or the vertical, I mean, excuse me, whether it's, well, if you are running the 40, you hear people at the vert jump or whatever. But I just remember looking at the eye in the sky and you know, like, all right, like, this camera, this camera 
like it's the world it's is watching. Everyone's watching you. I probably didn't even line. watch. I guess. And you know, I was a faster guy. Yeah. So you know they're talking about hyping you the up. Hype, they're hyping you oh up. The expectations. The like we're expecting a decent time here, and it's like, dang, you know, like all right, here we go. You know, and I was ready for it. I took a deep breath and went ahead rolling. And honestly, I ran a little slower than I thought I was. But I mean, might have been a little my, bit of nerves. My time was fast. Like it was still fast. All the scouts still use that four three six, even though my official comes back as a four four three. I actually was running like four twos during training so i was expecting to run at least a low four three yeah so i was very disappointed but my time was still fast so i was like i'm not gonna redo it at pro day like for what what's the difference between a four four and a four three uh, i mean it wasn't gonna make to fast is fast so it wasn't gonna make me any more money so i was just like whatever there's no like, point yeah they all use the i four, remember three, you six didn't anyways. even know what your time was i remember you either text me I called. Or called me and you were like what was my time yeah that so was they don't they even tell them, you your time right away yeah they had them apple headphones Right, so no one could because you couldn't just have your phone out. You can listen to music. I didn't, so I yeah. called you, and I was like, "Man, what was my time?" I, <laughs> I tried to figure it out. And then your second one wasn't as yeah, fast as your first one. Yeah, my second one was a little bit slower, but I just remember being like, "All right, cool." Like I'm straight. Like once it's kind of like a weight off your back. I knew my time, and I'm like, "All right, I'm I'm good to go." Um, but overall, you had a really good combine. You had a solid combine. Um, it, it was fun, man. A great experience. Um, competing with the best and against some of the best and. Then, you know, the combine's over just like that. You do all of that, all that preparation, all the weeks of training. And then after you walk out of them doors and jump on that plane, I go back to Miami for like a week or so. And then I realize, okay, I'm not going to be down here as long because I'm done training. I'm going back to Maryland and I'm homeless. <laughs> my dorm isn't there. I Like, I can't go back to my dorm. I don't have an apartment. Like, I don't have anything. I so, got your back. So I moved in with, with me and all my friends and all of your friends, Mayana, Lauren, Kristen. Kristen, you know, I was the fifth wheel in the house and it was awesome. You know, I, I was like, it was peaceful. Y'all were always gone, busy working, handling business, but I honestly felt like a bum. I would literally just work out and then like do nothing but play video games, and like just kind of chill. And I would go over to campus and kick with my boys and play video games and stuff a little bit, but you feel like an outsider a little bit because it's like all the stuff you were just doing a semester ago, it's like you're not a part of it or you can't do it. Like it was just the weirdest feeling. But um, I appreciate y'all for, for sure taking me in and allowing me to be there. But back. then you're sitting there and it's just training. I was training with uh, Toby over at ETC mm-hmm. um, with uh, Navarro and Chandra and few other guys who were going through the process navarro was already in the league a uh, year but it's pretty cool like training with them kind of pushing yourself um tobias who's now a chef you know all of us are training together and then now you know okay we're training up into the draft right up and into the draft that's really it though for that about a, about a month and a half or so we were in maryland and then now it's like okay it's draft time so where are you gonna draft go? day where are you gonna be um what was the talks about I know at that time there were all these lists that were going out mm-hmm. and what you were projected to go versus, do you remember that? Did you have an idea of, it was like I late mean, you first, see, second? You see the mock drafts and stuff and I knew it was gonna, I was going to be late first, early second, which is honestly, it was stressful. Like I think that was the most stressful part of yeah, that process. But I was confident too. Like They said late first, early second as my grade, but the way the draft 
falls like you don't know if you're gonna get drafted but did you feel it. like all right they're saying late for did you have a feeling like i really hope i go late first i, I think everybody I, wants to go I in the wanted, first round I, well because i think i feel like we might have been the first year that they split up the draft where it was first round one day and then second and third the next oh is it usually I all think. one day that's why I, I feel like I, we were or if we weren't the first we were one of the first oh. couple drafts and so like being at the position I, I was in at the end of the draft that's nerve wracking because like if it doesn't happen in those 32 picks you have to wait another day and that yeah. day that second day was rough because I'm like I, but what about the first happen. day first of all you didn't want to have a big draft party no, thing dude, everybody <laughs> wanted to come man remember we drove from I still remember that drive. We drove from College Park. I had my Camaro that she was talking to me about. My first car. Fancy Camaro. Yeah, that thing was sweet. Shout out to Dave at No Lemon. That thing was fire. And we go from there all down in Virginia. And we were going to watch the draft at the house. At your house. Yeah, at your mom's yeah, house. Yeah, we were going to watch at the house. And too many people kept like popping up or. And they knew where your mom. mom's house was. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we ran away. My mom actually had a house in King George, Virginia at the time. And I was like, man. I don't, I don't want any distractions. I don't want anyone around that's not supposed to be there who I didn't want to be there because it was a very uncertain That's time, a lot of pressure big deal. to have all these, pe- a room full of people, and people do that, a room full of people yeah. waiting for your name to get called. And if it doesn't get called the day it's supposed to get called, then you have all these people like, it's all right, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I don't want you to don't comfort me. Hear that. I don't do well with that stuff. I don't, so. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, like don't talk to me. So I wanted people around me who I felt comfortable uh, going into the go, second day, yeah, being happy with or being extremely disappointed with, and every person I felt that way about. There's some people that may have missed out, but the main people I felt that way about were there. And we get down there, and the first round goes by, and I don't get picked. I don't remember being. I get. I think towards the end of the first round, it was a little nerve wracking because somebody because there got were four picked. teams. Remember, I knew a lot of people don't know this, but I remember talking to. Um, the GM from the Falcons, and he was like, "Well, we're gonna pick a receiver." He was like, "We're either gonna trade up and get AJ and Julio, which were the top dogs." He was like, "Are we gonna wait and sit back and get a receiver in late first? And he ended up trading up on draft day, and I was like, "Up, oh, well, I know the Falcons, the Falcons aren't an option, right?" And they ended up picking one of them too, which was what he said, which was pretty cool. Um, and then. I remember the Chiefs needed a receiver at the time. The Chiefs were one of your teams. The Ravens needed a receiver at the time. And the Patriots. Like so like but all of them were picking like in the back half of the first round. So like that was So there was still a shot in your head that like I still have hope that I may go in the first round. And so and I was ranked probably between the third and the fifth receiver, depending on which team you were, um, on most draft boards and who went to Kansas? Who ended up going to the Chiefs? I remember the Chiefs. Jonathan were, Baldwin. That was Jonathan another Baldwin receiver. Baldwin jumped. Yeah, so it was Jonathan, Titus, and myself who were around really the kinda, same. Around yeah, us, right around the same. And I mean, I think Randall Cobb you can throw in there as well. I guess the four of us um, we were kind of ranked around the same area, and he ended oh, up gosh. going first. So like from there. You know, it depends on how a team drafts based on need. Like once number two goes, you're like, all right, like I could be like I could be three I could or be five. The ne- three I could to be five. the next receiver. Yeah. I could be the next receiver or I could I may not. Oh gosh, that process was and that you know, so day one passes and don't get picked. So 
next day happens and you know obviously there's a little more pressure a lot more pressure way more phone calls way more texts and i had to be clear i had to go put on facebook i had to twitter at the time i just started using instagram i had to text people like do not text don't call or text me during this draft do not call or text me during this draft i remember you wanted to change your number that day i did i did want to change my number because like anytime my phone would ring my heart would drop like and everybody's staring at your phone yeah. waiting for it to ring like i'm like do not call me like it was stressful because like you said, any t- if i fiddle my with my heart phone is like too, pounding right now oh thinking my about goodness that. if i fiddle with my phone too much that like anytime he touched his phone look. we were like what 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 yeah <laughs> he's like chill out there's nothing but you did you kept like picking up your phone just to check the service yeah you, had, you didn't have sure. the best service there so we went from thinking we were going to watch the draft at our house to I looked and I tried to find the most private place that I could find. We settled on a little firehouse in White Oak in Stafford, Virginia. So it was my family in that little side room with the three firemen or four or five firemen that are there and there are two or three trucks or whatever they have yeah. there. And it was super peaceful. I actually went to high school with a couple of them, so it was pretty cool. And we were just chilling, man. ESPN was there. You were chilling. My heart, I was a nervous wreck. I had to try to be calm, though. Like, everyone around me was super nervous. Y'all were more nervous than I was, which is starting to make me nervous. You always like to say that you weren't nervous. You were nervous, Tori. I wasn't nervous until I would see a team come up. That I'm, I and that you I didn't tell, go to. I didn't tell y'all all the teams, but y'all knew about the main three, which to me, at that point, the Falcons were at the table. It was Kansas the, City, the Patriots, oh, yeah, Detroit, and the Ravens. But I thought Kansas City was one of the main. ones. They had already picked Jonathan. Oh the first right, right, round. right. So when I'm talking day two when that happened, we're sitting there, we're looking. I'm like, oh my goodness. Now like, somebody we else went before you that. Titus Detroit was up and they picked Titus Titus Young. Titus played uh receiver at Boise and they picked him in the second round. So now there's, oh my there's four receivers that are gone. And, and we were so, like, you, you gotta be coming up. I had to be like, so like All right, if the team's picking a receiver, like you have to be coming my, up. I close. literally just got chills. And in then my you're arms. looking at it, and then I like, guess Detroit. And then Detroit had two picks that uh, ended up having another pick. They actually traded up. But then New England was coming and, like, all these other teams. And, like, I'm like, all right, second round, like, it could be we a got great it, yeah. fit. And I remember then, I was sitting behind you. Mm-hmm. I had I had a bunch of hats. I don't even know what hats I had. I know I had a Ravens you hat. You had a Ravens hat for sure. Your mom and your grandma were sitting on either side of you. Mm-hmm. And your mom had her Ravens shirt the entire time. The entire two days. We all were hoping it, it kind of was like, there's no way he would go to the Ravens, right? There's just, it just doesn't make <laughs> sense. Right from Maryland, from UMD to the, it would just be too perfect. And yeah. so it was like, you didn't want to say, you kept saying, he's not going to the Ravens. There's no way. But in the back of your mind, like, please, please, right. please. I for sure wanted to go to Baltimore. Like everyone uh, knew that. It wasn't a secret. And then Baltimore's up like two picks away. Oh my gosh. My arm, I'm literally getting chills thinking about and this. And. All of a sudden, my phone, which had been quiet the oh. entire night, rings. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I just got goosebumps just thinking Yo, about that was. I, I looked at my uh, phone. That feeling is And so I crazy. saw the Maryland number. Yeah. And now I get, like, this little rush, like, this little, like, tingly Woo. feeling. And I'm like, man, what's going on? I answer the phone. Mind you, he doesn't tell us anything. He just, he does, he says nothing to us. He just picks up his phone. 
And, and and you can hear a mouse behind me. I can hear how quiet y'all. Everyone's trying to, trying to everyone's trying, trying to listen in through my. I got I have my phone right into my ear, but they're all trying to listen. You in. were any hold, sound. You were like, holding your phone like it was like you were guarding your food. You didn't want anybody to touch absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, I was trying. To, I was just listening, and I get to the phone. I'm like, hello. Oh my gosh. And he's like, uh, hey, Tor, how you doing? This is Ozzy Newsom. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yo. And. He was just talking, just small talk. Like, how you doing? Like, who you with? Da, da, da. I'm telling him about my family, you know, my coaches, some of my best friends. We're at his little firehouse. Da, da, da. And the Ravens are now a pick before. And then I hear him in the background. There's been a trade. There's been a trade. Oh, my god! And Ozzy goes, there's just been a trade. If someone calls your phone, don't answer. <laughs> like, yeah. He was joking, like. Don't oh, and somebody traded for you. Yeah, he was like, somebody calls your phone, don't answer. And so I hear him in the background yelling. And they were like, the pick is in, the pick is in. Like, and we're just watching running, the it's screen. A, it's a running back. It's a oh. running back. And then Ozzy, like, immediately afterwards, and was like, son, he was like, how would you like to be a Baltimore Raven? Oh, my gosh. And, like, that my heart, crazy. like, dropped. And he was like, you're a Raven. And when he said that, I could not talk, like, I was stuck. stuck. I was legit stuck. I was I, stuck I behind you, sitting down. Yeah, and everyone's trying to figure it out. And I'm not a very, I'm not a very emotional person. Don't say very. You're not emotional at all. Yeah, I'm not that emotional. And y'all, I was crying. Like a baby. I wasn't. No, you bad. weren't sniffling, but like you were. I had tears. You were holding your breath. I was fighting my life away to try not to cry. <laughs> I've seen and this I guy cry twice ever. Uh, One when his brother died and at the draft. He says he cried for TJ's birth, but I didn't see it because I was all drugged up. <laughs> but this, like, I've never seen that type of, like, eyes red. Your face was face, all puffy. Oh my, it was bad, man. I was, I was crying, y'all. Like, and I realized that, you know, I remember Ozzy saying, like, I wouldn't say anything. I, I would love to hear their audio from it because I wouldn't say anything. I'm trying to talk. And I'm like, they just cry, y'all. And I passed the phone to my mom, just put my head down. Put your head down. I was crying. And I was just crying and everybody and was praying screaming. And everyone's going nuts. And oh, my like, I'm gosh. getting. I'm, what is I'm that feeling? Good stuff, so yeah. I don't I'm about to start crying over here on this. That's what that, are you tearing like, up right now? No, I'm not. What? But what is that, that feeling? feeling? Was crazy. Like, what's the equivalent of. I feel like when I graduated college, it was like, yes, I did it. But it was more like, yes, I'm done school. But that type of emotion of like everything, like what was going through your mind that made you that emotional? But that's how I felt when I graduated school, though. You had that same feeling? Yeah. Like when you worked at something so long, like school, like talk about speaking things into existence and working and putting it all together. Like my education, my college education was that for me. Yeah. Like, I wanted to earn a scholarship. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to graduate. And then I had the opportunity to live out, like, a childhood dream. Like, every kid, most young men in this country would love to do that. And to me, all of that emotion wasn't just from being drafted. Like, that actual moment. If I thought about all the things we had to go through, all the moving all the trauma, mm -hmm. all these feelings of just not having 
and literally not having um, the pain of like think about all the times we were short. We got to move the lights out. We get evicted or whatever it is. Like all of that hit was like man, like, like I don't have to think about yeah. This like I'm in a moment. Like I have a great start at life right. for a twenty something year old, and that was a big deal. Um, and all the the late nights studying, the extra workouts, like the discipline of 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 being willing to stay home, stay in the house, stay in the dorm, missing out on fun. It like paid off. it all paid off. And like that's what that was. And I was And shook. you're going to Baltimore. And going to Baltimore. I wanted to go to Baltimore. You wanted to go to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. We all wanted to go to Baltimore. Yeah. And that was that was unreal. That was like Terps fans, like all that was the craziest that was the craziest thing ever. Like when that all set in I think it didn't really set in until we visited the castle. How? When did we go? How many? Like, was yeah, it, we went the next day. So I was, was drafted the, the second day? round. So Jimmy Smith was the first round pick the year. We're the same year, and so they come in on the third day um, for their press conference. So, so you they came get in that drafted. Day. Then the next day is like kind of a travel day. Then they have their press conference. So since I was close, you they right told in. me just drive on up, and we just did it at the same time. You had your little and, baggy suit on. Yeah, my suit, which was baggy back now. That, <laughs> I just looked was, at that picture. It was fitted back then. <laughs> you baggy. wouldn't dare wear a, sweat, a suit like that now. right now. I think it's baggy now. And, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to see this building and that you, again, a place, another place that you've seen on TV. Like, playing for the Ra- plan for Maryland, you you know the Ravens. Like, you, yeah. their facilities, like, you see these things on TV. And now it's like, man, this is it. And the tour, the love they showed my family. Now I'm wearing gear. I'm not wearing Terps gear or Stafford High School gear. I can wear a Ravens shirt. Like, I picked my number. Like, all these different things. You picked your number that quickly? Yeah, Chad Steele told me. He asked me what number I wanted. And I told him I was going to have a... uh, I told Chad I I was thinking about getting 11, which was my favorite number. Right. But I got 82 in um, high school. Or excuse me, when I got to college. And I said, whatever number I had, I would play in. And then I ended up playing, so I stayed in 82. Well, I wanted to get up to 11, the first chance I can get. And there was a guy named Marcus Smith that had it. And Chad still was like, you're wearing 82. Just he was like, like yeah, just straight. Yeah, so basically, Chad Still, the famous security slash PR guy for the quarterback and the MVP of the Super Bowl, bullied me into wearing 82. So that's, that's <laughs> It a, was a good pick. That's the real story. It was so shout out, Shout out to Chad for that one. But um, just that whole nine going through that process and like it was real. And then we leave and it's like I'm. I, it's none of that's ever happened because it's a lockout, an NFL yeah, lockout weird... where I I don't have a playbook. I don't have anything. Like it's just like I know I got drafted by this team. I met the coaches, but now but I can't talk no... to them. I can't do anything. It was the weirdest thing in the world. And we're back to the drawing board. I remember. Uh, talking to Joe and Ray Rice and a couple other guys and trying to figure out how to try to get a head start on the offense. And I ended up getting up with Anquan, driving up and meeting him and um, getting the playbook from him and driving back and trying to dissect this thing. Like, man, I don't even know. I remember the whole playbook situation. That was you were making index cards. You were studying every single day. I remember we made this field out of a poster board paper 
and you would have me call out the play and you had little bottle caps that you were <laughs> running the plays on or we would go in the backyard. That was the first Chanel Academy before the, before the, <laughs> Chanel before Academy the boys. From, yeah, <laughs> but it was crazy because you were just doing a whole bunch of studying and working out, studying and working out. That's what it was. And, and I tried it. And the crazy thing is I did all of that study. And then when I got there, I felt like it was like night and day. Like, it like was you just, didn't know what you were learning. Like, into. I, when I tell y'all I struggled my first few weeks of rookie camp, like you don't understand. And looking back, the majority of it was probably me. Mental. Mentally. And I, I know that simply because of Ozzie Newsom. Um, I used to get ripped in practice. Like I was very inconsistent, like with plays, knowing what I'm doing, dropping the ball. I you see some flashes, some great things. I remember one day Harbs was like, Man, why do we draft you? Like he was tired of it. And Suggs was killing me and crushing me in practice every day. And that's, all that's of those so cats rough. were on I, me. that that's the part about football that I know it's a part of the game, but seeing you go through that, the mental part of it, that's rough. Yeah. And you would tell me, I'd be like, how was today? It was bad. And you over-exaggerate a lot. So I'm like, wait, was it bad or was it, like, horrible? It feels bad when you don't have opportunities. Like, in football, like, if you mess up an opportunity or two, like, it seems like a lot. And it is because that, you one, never know. that one opportunity can mess everything yeah. up. So for sure, it was tough, man. But I ended up, you know, fighting on through. And I remember I was working with the ones. And then they traded for Lee Evans. So now I'm in the number three role and I had the opportunity to slow down and kind of start to get together. And honestly, that's when everything clicked. And you know what's the crazy thing about it is I felt like it was because the weight was kind of taken off my back. Mm. But even before then, when things started to click towards the end of camp, when I started doing well, I remember walking by Ozzie Newsom and um, he threw a towel at me and I caught it. And he was like, no, no, no. And he threw the towel at me again and I caught it. And he was like, what are you doing with your eyes? I'm like, what? So I caught the towel, but I didn't look it all the way in. Well, in oh. football, you're supposed to look the ball right. all the way in. And he ended up showing me a couple of clips of me playing and me dropping the ball. Being too anx- anxious where I'm about anxious it. anxious and running without He's like, man, look, you know how to catch. You know how to play ball. Just go do just it. Just do it. Like, why are you pressing? He was like, just go do it. Like, you can do it. You're capable of it. You've seen it. He was like, just go do it. And honestly, that gave me so much confidence between him and Jim Hosley. Um, the receivers coach there and Coach Haas told me he's like man he sold all of us really he's like you know I can't want you to be more successful than you want it for yourself Right. and he taught me how to come up with my own process and really just build confidence in your process I would catch confidence passes. was so oh, key goodness. for you I would catch passes before practice had a routine so now it's like man like because I was kind of just going out there like and just like you had to at the park outside, like, you about to just go play. I had no routine on nothing. And he kind of helped me find my routine as a pro. Um, and watching Anquan, too, and Lee as well. And trying to figure out how I was as a pro. But Coach Haas honestly helped me. I mean, that's a big transition. You go from college to having to be a whole adult professional yeah. football player. You're around and guys. And we didn't have the offseason. Like, that's what's lost. That's like, true. Had yeah. I had the offseason, I would have been fine. Like, I, can, I can pick up things quick. But I remember coming in and they're like, hey, you have to be ready to play the Steelers in, like, five weeks. Six weeks, I'm like, ooh, okay. The Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a big deal. So, But that was huge. And honestly, it was for sure stressful and it wasn't the best experience. But I for sure wouldn't change anything because, again, I've been through it all. So to me, it's like, man, I knew I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And you go from there, 
All of a sudden, the first two games, I don't have a pass thrown to me. Uh, I was a third receiver. I played a little bit, but I didn't have a pass thrown to me. And there was no pressure as a third receiver. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Lee Evans gets hurt in the second game. Oh, my gosh. I remember and that. And so I played the entire second half after <sighs> barely even getting rest in practice like that. And then I come the in and my, the, to play the Rams the third week of the yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Coach Tasha was like, well. Get in there. Your training wheels are off. <laughs> because Lee was hurt and I had to start. And I went that in. Game and I was, was ready, though. I'll tell you what. Crazy. I was ready. You talk about being confident, being ready. I was ready. Why right were you? What, what was the? Because I knew I could play. And I was confident. I knew what I was doing. So I, like, I knew I could beat the best. I just have to make sure I know what I'm doing and being confident when I go out there and do it. Right. And that confidence sure was built. So shout out to Coach Hostler, loving to death for that and helping me groom and grow myself into that. But I was ready. And I remember Cam Cameron coming in, the offensive coordinator, like, hey, we're going to throw you the ball the first play of the oh game. Oh, my. First, can we talk about that? Because I feel like this is deja vu. But every time you tell me I'm going to get the ball the first play of the game, I can't even watch the game because I'm so anxious. And anytime Joe would throw the ball, just like launch it down the field, I knew it was most likely going to you. <laughs> and I would just close my eyes because it was like this long yeah, bomb, i don't know how man. you do it Joey's i don't know how you guys it. handle just Beast. the balls coming and it's just coming 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 <laughs> are you gonna catch it or not it's the hardest play the hardest catch in football man and joe man we had a special connection with that for sure and Ugh. like i said you go back to that it was gonna be a simple hitch they just wanted to give me hey look just just get a catch just get a and catch. calm down <laughs> right. well he comes up and press so when he walks up on that line oh now it turns into a go route and nine route in a deep ball so I beat him off the line real quick, and I look up, and Joe said he was going to come. I saw him look. Joe said he was going to come to me, and the ball was in the air. Caught it. Ran on the sideline. I didn't know how to oh react. I dusted him. I'm yelling the whole way down the field, and it was crazy, man. And my adrenaline, I'm getting goosebumps. First touchdown. Me too. Like, I just got so excited. It's just my first touchdown, to man. Like Again, again another moment. You talk about draft day and all these emotions. Well, that is another that version was... of that. Like, man, like. I can do I'm this. Here. I'm here. I'm Tory Smith. And then we come back again, and then I get a post for another, another touchdown. touchdown. And then we get the ball again that quarter, and then I get another post for another – or excuse me, a fade for another touchdown. Three touchdowns. So the three touchdowns in one quarter. One And quarter. I just remember – and it was my first few catches. I just remember everything just being crazy. Like, when I tell you – that moment was probably the biggest moment in my career. One of the biggest moments. But I would say the biggest moment because it was first. Because it at that moment, I knew no matter what I would go through for what would end up being the next eight years. Yeah. That that's who I was. That's what I'm capable of. Like, there's nothing that. You can't that take that from I me. can't. Yeah. I, I know who I am. I know I, I know I can win. And I never knew how important it was to see yourself being successful. Yeah. Like, I guess it had kind of always happened naturally, but that was the first time I was like, man, like, I, I see it. I know, I know it. It, co yeah. it confirmed the work. The same way my having a scholarship offer just confirmed the work, all the things that went into it. And when you get drafted, it confirmed all the work that went into right. it before that. And it was just another huge step for me in my career. And I could go on forever. Yeah. But we there's got, a lot we of stories save, in that rookie year that I have to save stories. for a later date. But before we go, I want to ask you really quickly, wrapping it, bringing it back to the draft, there's going to be a bunch of guys 
who are hoping for a shot in the NFL. And there's going to be a bunch of guys who don't get a shot. And there's going to be some who do. What would you give? Like, what type of advice would you give somebody who is going to be going through that this weekend or this week? What would you tell them? I tell them, man, it's, it's not about where you start. Everyone has a starting point. But what you do with your opportunity is on you. Um, take full advantage of it. Um, do everything you can. Because when you don't get drafted, like you have to work twice as hard to make it. Mm-hmm. Because they have the way the the way this business works, they have their favorites. Sometimes it's due to money, but like you have to work twice as hard, and you have to take full advantage of it and control what you can control. And I feel like that's your your life mantra: yeah, that's control for sure. what you can that's control. My, that I mean, it is what it is because I've learned that you stress so much over things you can't control that you end up hurting yourself more in the long run. So I learned when I started to control what I could control, I realized that I could live with the results. Whether I failed or not, which obviously you never want to fail, but when I do fail, knowing that I did everything that I could, right. I can live with that. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't good enough in that moment. Right. Because there's going to be a lot of things that happen where you're going to have to be able to handle your business. And I feel like, man, I, I'm built to win straight up. I feel like I'm built to handle whatever. And something that comes my way, yes, it may hurt. But the value of it is, I'm going to get right back at it. All right. I'm excited to watch the draft. I feel like every year we watch it, we go back to that day and you get the goosebumps and you you just see the excitement and you can feel it when these guys get called. For sure. It's crazy. Well, I hope thank you, Chanel, for joining and walking us down memory lane. But I hope that, you know, y'all enjoy this episode and it gives you the opportunity to maybe think a little bit deeper when you see these prospects and the opportunity that they had to be drafted. And, you know, just maybe get the backstory and what goes behind it because it's a lot. There's a lot. These these guys just aren't crying because they got drafted. There's a backstory there, man. And I hope that y'all get to learn about it. I hope y'all enjoy watching these guys come across your computer screen or TV in this weird draft and know that, you know, you're literally watching someone's dream come true. Now it's time for Tori's Take, the part of the show where I give you my unfiltered opinion on what's going on and trending in my world. For this story's sake, I wanted to talk about not getting too high, not getting too low. Have an opportunity to go through and talk about my personal experience through the draft process and the highs, the lows, the beginning of my career. It's very easy to get in the dumps and honestly forget who you are. And I've always found balance in being in the middle. Because when you get high... Which, it's important sometimes to be in some moments to enjoy it. But you can't get too high. That when a failure happens or you don't catch the game-winning pass or you make a mistake, that you can't bounce back. Because in sports and in real life, oftentimes, you know, things may happen. You may lose your job. You may drop a game-winning pass. You may miss a shot. You know, you may get fired. Something's going to happen in your life or your sport or your career where things aren't going to go as you plan. But if you stay somewhere in the middle, not saying it doesn't hurt (laughs) or it shouldn't hurt, but if you stay somewhere in the middle, you'll be able to handle the emotional pain and the excitement that comes with success or failure. And there's been so many instances in my career And honestly, in my life where 
I've been able to deal with things and keep it moving. And keep it moving, not saying that it's it's perfect. Not saying that I'm even okay. But I'll keep it moving knowing that I'm going to be okay. I feel like anything that happens to me now, honestly in the past a little bit too, I feel like there's nothing that I can't handle. There's nothing that I'm not built to handle. And there's it's not the worst moment for me. Even though in that moment it may feel that way, it's not the worst moment for me. Because for the few times I've messed up in the big moments, I can think of an endless amount of times where I've made the game win and play. Where I've made the clutch play for my team to be in position to win. Where I've made the game-changing play. And as an athlete, and I'm sure it's like that in other professions as well, sometimes it feels like that one mistake just takes and cancels all of that away. And the one thing I always try to do is just remind myself of that. And the best way to do that is to stay in the middle. Because for sure, when you fail and when something bad happens or you make a mistake, like it's going to hurt. And it should hurt. Right? Like you work hard, you prepare, like it should hurt if you fail or if you don't perform the way you want to or you miss that opportunity. But it's not the end of the world because hopefully you get another chance and hopefully you take advantage of it. So I hope that y'all remember no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what kind of challenges you have as an athlete, don't get too high, don't get too low. Remember who you are and you're built to handle everything. I'll catch y'all next week. Thanks for listening.